Welcome to Fintech Insider Focus in association with Visa. Our once little world of financial services is now a global superstar, and there are people everywhere opening up new markets and discovering new challenges like never before. In this strand of Fintech Insider, we take a burning question from financial services across the globe and really put it under the microscope with explainers, expert panels, and in-depth interviews, all to bring the global community into focus. This month, the question that we're getting stuck into is, what problem is mobile money solving in sub-Saharan Africa? While for millions across the world, a definition of mobile money is about as necessary as explaining what a bank account is, let's get everybody else up to speed. Mobile Money is an electronic wallet service which allows users to store, send, and receive money all through their mobile phone. It's ease of use, relatively low entry bar across mobile devices, and safety has meant that the technology has exploded in a number of emerging markets across the world, becoming the de facto replacement for bank accounts. The first company to make a mass market play with mobile money was Kenyan mobile phone network Safaricom, who launched the M-Pesa service in around 2007 with the backing of Vodafone. At first, the peer-to-peer money transfers were something of a value-added service in the telco space, but soon they grew into the main event for many. In fact, M-Pesa had more than 52 million customers as of 2022. The African continent still very much dominates the mobile money space, accounting for more than 70% of the world's $1 trillion mobile money market. So let's explore that and what lessons can be learned for the rest of the world. We'll get into all of that after a quick few words from our sponsor at Visa. Visa's FinTech Fast Track program is streamlining the onboarding process for FinTechs, enabling them to gain access to Visa's powerful capabilities and network. Visa and their enablement partners help FinTechs launch and scale cards, virtual credentials, and disbursement programs. To learn more, visit partner.visa.com. Keeping up with all the noise and news from the world of financial services isn't easy. It's easy to get lost in buzzwords, jargon, and industry speak. So sometimes you just need a quick human rundown of the biggest stories. Well, you are in luck. Bite-sized is our very own weekly newsletter that takes the biggest news stories from financial services and tells you exactly what's happening, why it matters, and what comes next. Bite Size goes out every Friday at 11am, so you can enjoy it with a coffee as you wrap up your week. Stay up to speed with the fast-moving world of financial services and subscribe today at 11fs.com forward slash newsletters. That's 11fs.com forward slash newsletters. Welcome back to Fintech Insider Focus. It's time to bring in our panel of experts to really dig into the question, what problem is mobile money really solving in sub-Saharan Africa? First off, we have my Fintech Insider Focus co-host for this month's episode, Miranda Perumel, who is the head of digital partnerships, Fintech and Ventures SSA over at Visa. Welcome to the show, Miranda. How are you doing? Good. Thank you, David. How are you? Great to be here. Pretty good, pretty good. Very, very busy. Uh, but it's, uh, I mean, uh, we were saying just before we started recording, I can't believe it's nearly August. Like, it's just insane how how quickly the year has disappeared. But um, for anybody who doesn't know, tell us a little bit more about your role at Visa. Yeah, sure. Um, so just firstly, really excited to get into the discussion about mobile money in Africa with uh, two of the region's fintech leaders. 
Um, and thanks for having me. As the head of digital partnerships, uh, FinTech Adventures, uh, my role really is to represent the non-FI ecosystem across Sub-Saharan Africa by identifying key trends, spotting super cool emerging FinTechs and startups, as well as creating an ecosystem across the region that enables these businesses to thrive. And that ranges from traditional FIs, vast providers, processes, regulators, and, and many others, right? Um, and I focus on creating these strategic partnerships with fintechs, MNOs, money movers, payfax, um, that really connect their customers and merchants to Visa's global network of commerce uh, through our products and solutions. And I do this by driving forward some of our key initiatives, like our fast track program, our recent Everywhere initiative. Um, in fact, the finals uh, just took place last week, Thursday. Um, so a huge congratulations to those uh, those startups. But it's really exciting to be in this space. Um, I mean, I love the role. I love the continent. And um, it's super fulfilling to be part of the problem solving, right? And essentially enhancing and co-creating use cases that uh, transform the payments landscape across Africa. Very cool. I mean, as you say, I mean, we're talking about a, a, a rather large continent as well, right? So the, exactly. you know, the word ecosystem is is uh, is used very heavily, but you know, your point around you know startups, regulators, MNOs. That, I mean, there's a lot of different players in this market that actually. Uh, need to contribute in order to 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 make it successful. Um, this episode is going to be coming out in August, which uh, over in uh, South Africa on the 9th of August is National Women's Day. I mean, this is obviously something that's going to be close to your heart that period of time as well. Absolutely. I think if I could describe myself in just a couple of words, it would be like a diehard ambassador for female in fintech all the way. And uh, a big shout out, you know, to all of the leaders um, across the globe that uh, empower, uplift, enable, and create opportunities for women in the space. Very, very cool. All right, well, let's um, bring in the guests and, and we can unpack all of that a lot more because there's uh, there's so much in uh, in that ecosystem. There's so much to to make it successful. And, and a few people who are uh, out there making this happen. Um, we're also joined by uh, Ham Saranjogi. Did I get that right, Ham? You got yeah, that's very good. Yeah. And you're the, the co-founder and CEO over at Chippercash. So, um, Ham, tell us a little bit more about your role and, and tell us a little bit more about Chippercash. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's great to be on, on, on the show with you today. As you said, my name is Ham Sarunjoji and I'm, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Chippercash. Um, Chipper is one of the largest consumer-facing financial platforms in Africa today. Uh, we offer a whole suite of products and services from cross-border payments to U.S. fractional stocks, to uh, crypto services, um, and now we also support businesses with an array of uh, cheaper for business products and, and, and services that um, are really picking up quite well. But one of our most exciting and loved products is our cheaper Visa card, um, and and that has been uh, incredibly well received, and um, uh, I also say one of the most impactful. Um, you know, we see people rely on that product from you know all sorts of use cases, people paying for tuition to be able to go to university, people paying for, you know, health expenses or uh, being able to pay for their visa application fees. These are things that are really, really crucial to day-to-day -day life. And our card is the only avenue they have to interact with the online economy. Uh, there's a big gap between uh, intent and willingness to pay for a product and service and ability to do so. 
and that Visa chipper card is the bridge between those two things. Uh, and it's 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 one of the fastest growing products that we've ever released. We've issued over 600,000 cards today um, and growing very fast. And um, we're seeing really exciting use cases um, as people continue to adopt that product. And um, we're excited to continue working with Visa and um, uh, been a great partner, as you saw in, in, in the World Cup. Miranda, you remember we did a, a great collaboration and people loved that um, um, special issue version of the card that uh, we were able to put out. Um, beautiful graphics and um, it just really, I think, highlighted the power of working with a partner like Visa on many levels. But in a nutshell, that's what um, uh, Chipakash does and I'm very excited to be able to contribute to what I think is is, is probably the most important geography in the world right now, visibly financial services. You know, you have a billion plus people in the world um, uh, that are coming into um, formal financial services for the first time in Africa. Um, it's a very young continent, you know, very fast growing. And to be able to contribute to that is is incredibly rewarding and, and exciting. Very cool. I mean, small geography, uh, huge population, as you say. It's a, it's an amazing, uh, amazing place to be. And uh, the, as you say, the the adoption of of capability seems to be uh, uh, like no other on the planet, which is uh, amazing. But welcome to the show, and uh, great to have you on. Uh, last but by no means least, we have Hassan Bouji, who is the founder of Jamo. Uh, welcome to the show, Hassan. How's things? Very good. Thanks. Uh, thanks, David. Thanks for, for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here with Miranda and Ham. Um, we, we never met with Ham, but I'm really looking forward to, to keep in touch uh, after this podcast. But basically, uh, so I'm the founder and CEO of, of Jamo. Um, and Jamo is a digital bank for consumers in Francophone Africa. Um, our mission is really to build a bank for the future uh, for uh, people in the region. Uh, we offer today a full range of banking services served digitally, um, ranging from cards, payments, current saving accounts. Uh, and everything started around 2020 uh, when I met my co-founder, Regis, uh, and he was going through a very bad experience with this bank. And we decided to work on this. We launched in 2021, uh, so it was Quite uh, quite recent, uh, we have today close to one million customers in the in the Ivory Coast, and we are the leading uh, card issuer today in the, in the country. Um, so we today work with Visa. They are our main scheme for for card issuance, um, and we've been yeah we've been through a lot of programs with them, um, and yeah the relationship is 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 really great as we have the same alignment. Uh, on on financial inclusion, um, yeah. So that's pretty much it. Um, and excited to to be talking about mobile money today, which is uh, a big part uh, of our business uh, as well in the region. Fantastic. I mean, it sounds like we've got the right people on to be talking about the region. Uh, before we do dive in, just a quick reminder for all of the listeners, uh, the views and opinions of a panel are their own and don't necessarily reflect those of their companies that they're representing. As always, it's probably a good idea to do your own research and nothing we say should be taken as tax, financial or legal advice. Have to get that out there. People do crazy things. It's weird. They, they listen to a podcast and do, you know, put all their money on whatever, you know. So uh, Do it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I've always been that risk taker. And on that note, uh, I mean, Miranda, I mean, getting going uh, from, from your perspective, I mean, we talk a little bit about mobile money and the picture around mobile money. The, you know, we talked about that ecosystem earlier on. I mean, it really is a pretty significant enabler uh, from a regional perspective. 
It is, and I think it's extremely critical and key to our overall success within um, not just Sub-Saharan Africa, across EMEA and globally, right? Um, and, you know, when you think about mobile money, it's not just um, linking to um, a, a telco, right? It is these disruptive fintechs that find problems in the ecosystem and across these different emerging markets and develop technology, financial services that are quick, easy, efficient, convenient and available to customers wherever they are. And, um, you know, when we look at these players across uh, across Sub-Saharan Africa, um, they come in many different shapes and sizes and they focus on different segments. But generally, they're, we're all aligned in terms of the, you know, the common goal, which is to displace cash, provide access um, and include. Right. And I think that in some cases, you know, one would look at mobile money and say, OK, well, you know, we've solved the problem. And as, as successful as it has been, um, and the fact that we kind of lead this space globally, there is still more coming, right? More access, customers want more, merchants need more. And that's where kind of Visa steps in to, to open up those different layers, um, provide different sort of value across the different customers and segments that these players in the market serve today. Yeah, I mean it's an interesting one, isn't it? And uh, and obviously, you know, for a, for a global audience listening to to this podcast, I mean, it, I, I, I've had the privilege of doing uh, financial services work in many different uh, geos, and you find the the fundamentals of the financial instruments are very similar, but the way in which they're constructed, the way in which they're used by consumers is wildly different. You know, like uh, how people in Hong Kong use savings accounts are very different from the UK, which is very different from Rwanda, which is very different from Seattle, you know, like so. But but what was it about, I guess, the, the continent that mobile money really took off? Uh, I mean, I, I know from my uh, visits, uh, I mean, mobile capability is, is better in many parts of Africa than it is many other parts of the world. But uh, I mean, Ham, maybe coming to you, I mean, how really did mobile money take off? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's one that really highlights uh, what one of the aspects of, of how we think about products in Chipper uh, as we build them. Because mobile money signified more than anything what happens when you build a product that is actually tailored for the market you're building it for. I think one of the reasons why bank accounts, for example, failed as far as mass adoption goes in Africa is that um, we ported a solution that works very well in the West and brought it to Africa as it was. And you have started dealing with things like, you know, if you tell someone in, in, in Uganda that bring, um, you know, your I need, I need an address, I need a cosigner, I need your cosigner's address, and all these things that are very difficult to find, you all of a sudden you realize that there'll be no adoption. And then you have these monthly minimums on accounts and it just was, it just didn't work. It, it didn't actually, it wasn't tailored to the unique needs of that society and the, and, and, and the way people interacted with money and so forth. Mobile money was perfectly tailored for that. Um, it was built off the rails of telco companies and people already had mobile devices. Um, and again, when you think about how people use mobile devices in Africa versus in the West, a lot of people in the West use them on a plan. You you pay for a month or so, or, and you you know use your device. In Sub-Saharan Africa, it's very heavily you pay as you go, right? I load some credit, I can make some calls, some texts. Um, if I have no credit, I can't do anything, right? But I I load as I go. It's pay as you go. As I get some money, I use my phone. Um, and 
very quickly mobile companies dis- discover that wait, people are putting value on their accounts and then using it. How, what, what happens if we actually let them send that value over our rails electronically to a recipient somewhere? And guess what? We already have these numerous um, agents on the ground that people go to buy their credit for the phones from. So we have these touch points, these physical touch points across the country that people can deposit funds into by credit. So that means they could also use those same touch points to take value out. And all of a sudden, you had the entire network that was built out for telcos that worked perfectly for mobile money. And people could load value as they wished. There was no minimums. You could load even half a dollar, and you could send that. Um, uh, it worked well vis-a-vis how people interact with money and what disposable incomes are for many people in sub-Saharan Africa. And so it just took off so well because no one wants inconvenience. Right? Everyone wants convenience. If you can give someone a better way to do something, they'll adopt it. But if you add barriers, then all of a sudden it makes it harder to adopt. And so mobile money brought that convenience and removed the barriers. And so it exploded as far as adoption of, of, of that product goes. And of, of course, everyone wants an easy way to send money. No one wants to get on a bus for three hours, take money to their relative, you know, halfway across the country. So if I can text that value to them, of course I want to do it. And so it really took off quite well and it exploded. And I think that was sort of, I sort of think of that as the zero to one phase of financial services in Africa. People coming from being entirely unbanked um, to being partially backed because now you can digitize the money you have, you can send it electronically, you can do a few more things with it. But it's not yet at a point where, okay, can I take that value and pay for my Spotify? Can I take that value and pay for an airline ticket? You know, can I take that value and send it to another country? Um, even within the same country, because it was built on the rails of telcos, there were limitations to what you could do within that country sending to another network. And so it was great from a zero to one perspective um, as far as getting people just a basic digitization of, of money. But as it exploded, it became very clear that to get from the one to 10 stage where you truly could do anything you want with your money, you could send it abroad, you could buy a bunch of things online, that another phase of innovation was going to be required. And we think of the value that we provide as being in that one to 10 phase. So we think of telco companies as being very strong partners of ours. Before you are a cheaper customer, you have to first be a telco customer. And then when you're a telco customer, we're an extension of that ecosystem and we provide that next level of digitization and connection to the online economy um, that mobile money, uh, because of the way it's built, isn't very good at providing on its own. Um, But in a nutshell, I think ultimately what mobile money did so well is that it was able to actually meet the needs of a society um, and an ecosystem so well um, uh, and provide that convenience that had been sought after and and wanted for uh, for so long. And uh, its explosion was just a a matter of time. And as we've seen, um, its impact has been huge. I mean, I think there was a study a few years ago in Kenya that said something like 5 million people had been lifted out of poverty as a direct result of M-Pesa. Um, and so it's profound what it can do. Um, I was in Mombasa. I went to school in Mombasa for two years um, uh, from high school. And um, that was when it was really just starting out mobile. This was like 2008, 2010. Um, and um, I remember the whole concept of being able to send money digitally was still very new, but it was just so profound. The fact that I could be in Mombasa and use my Safaricom phone number to send value to someone in Nairobi. That was like, wow, I actually, I can do this. And um, I remember that like aha moment that so many people were having that this is going to change 
the entire economy. It's going to change the way people live. Um, it's it, and, it, and it really did. Um, uh, so it's it's just been exciting to see that explosion, and um, I, I can't wait to see how much more people can do as we unlock even more capabilities vis-a-vis financial services in Africa. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? Your your point there around well, at the point where you've got well cash in capability, you can you could create a, a digital framework for your 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 money or airtime. Uh, you know, you can use it for payments. You can cash out as well. You can send it to other people. I mean, it is a it is a very different prospect than, than you know cash in your wallet or cash under your bed or you know cash in a, in a branch uh, you know somewhere off in the distance. But I mean, Hassan, maybe coming to you on that one, how much do you think then? I mean, everywhere you see financial services is is really you know disrupted, not just because of people coming into their market, but because of expectations being set by other industries. You know, overnight we're seeing you know mobile adoption and you know uh, data connectivity being adopted faster than ever. The you know smartphone penetration uh, leapfrogging a, a whole generation of uh, different forms of accessing the internet. But I mean, is that? Almost the expectations overnight being reset. Really, did that put pressure on on financial services and really, you know, awaken everybody's expectations? Yes, I think uh, you know uh, a lot. You know, the the, the user experience today is um, anybody can experience great apps like Facebook or or, or other apps um, from from their smartphone, and uh, um, and those people are now used, and that. I would say that generation today is is being used to to great user experience, um, and when you when they comfort that with the, um, the 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 traditional experience they had from incumbents, whether it's uh, from from a bank or other financial institution, um, the, there was just a, a huge gap, and that gap that gap had to be filled. Now historically, what happened is that telcos filled that gap because they had this. A vast amount of customers, uh, those those uh, agent networks that they use from their telco business, but I think things are changing now with the rising of smartphone and internet penetration. I think yeah, Ham Ham pointed this well. Um, we made the zero to one. Now it's it's time you know for the next phase, and I think it has a lot to do in in into uh, personal finance. Um, I think the next phase for mobile money in general, but also all the financial apps, because now they can be accessed by by anyone, is to provide those those plus one services um, and a little bit more than the basic uh, digitization of cash that that telcos were were providing. I think this has become really commoditized, um, especially here like in the region, uh, we really witnessed uh, some disruption and prices really going down uh, in the price war on on you know on commissions uh, and it's really started to to commoditize uh, so now they have really to rethink their business model um, and um, to become more than just the uh, you know infrastructure for on ramp and and off ramp yeah I mean anywhere where those rails can get uh, a good amount of competition that's uh, always ultimately great for the consumer isn't it uh, both in terms of the the pricing but as you say the the interesting bit happens above those rails doesn't it, it happens in the the services the journeys the things that really bring it to life but uh, I mean Miranda just touching on something that ham uh, said a second ago actually in a stat that I see in front of me here World Bank 45 percent of sub-saharan African age 15 or above were unbanked 
banked in 2021. Now, you know, 5 million people in um, Kenya is great. But actually, when you start looking at the, the that scale of uh, of unbanked. I mean, I, I always argue there's unbanked and then there's badly banked as well, which probably makes up the rest of the 55% of the population as well, you know, and that's a global trend, not just a, not just an African one. But I mean, it feels with that, uh, that opportunity, that size of opportunity to, to bring people into it, not just with a, a mobile money perspective, but as, as the guys are saying, the, you know, the want to, I mean, I'd say one to 11, but the one to 11 <laughs> uh, level of services, then uh, that feels like really where the the amazing benefit can be for for making people better off, right? Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I think, um, you know, when you when you look at that stat, it's, it's quite shocking, right? That was just two years ago um, or less than two years ago. Um, but again, it, it also reflects the magnitude of the opportunity of, you know, the non-bank players across Africa. And I think more and more, you know, we're also starting to see that <clears throat> the traditional players in the market are realizing the potential and reach to, you know, the segments that are both unbanked and underserved, like you say. Um, and they're they're looking at ways to partner, right, with uh, telcos, with the, the different fintechs and and other type players in the market to better serve those customers and give them some sort of access. But like you say, I mean, badly banked, right? What, what does that really look like? Um, and the way that we kind of uh, view it across the region is that there are many different facets to this, right? The first area is where, you know, you've got a, you've got a market like Kenya, you've got a, you know, super huge, successful global leader in terms of mobile money, which is Mpesa, right? Um, but what is it? It is a, a platform store value that allowed back in the day, early 2000s, customers to send money P2P, but also, you know, started to add and pack value added services on top of that based on what the needs of those customers and merchants were. At the same time, they created, you know, dual ecosystem. So they enabled a customer to transact and they created a space or an environment that could accept those types of payments, right? Um, and that has evolved into something that allows, you know, cash in, cash out, P2P across different markets. Um, but also, um, you know, it allows additional uh, additional spin and transaction capability, right? So let's look at airtime, bill payments, plugging into different merchants that are more local, etc. cetera. Um, and what we find is, again, with respect and as successful as that is, and, you know, we, we, we all take our hats off to it, there is more that we can add specifically from a visa perspective on top of that, that creates additional value, not just for those consumers, but for the globe, right? And an example is, and this, you know, pivots back into our role within mobile money is, you know, we step in and plug our global rails into these store values or ecosystems. And that immediately connects a consumer or a merchant to global commerce, right? And that enables a different level of those transaction capabilities, but broader and wider with less limitations to a consumer experience. Um, and often, and, you know, based, at, based on, you know, what is available in Africa and what the reality is of customers in the market, many of them, no matter, you know, the, the rise of 5G connections, et cetera, use USSD. I mean, the once I was, um, I was in, a, in a taxi in Rwanda um, with a colleague of mine, um, and it was so funny because he whipped out his smartphone and he's dialing star 111 and going through a USSD menu to buy some airtime, um, you know, and it's shocking to, to, to see. And, and 
you know, circling back to my point, um, in some cases, you'll have a banked customer who transfers money from their bank account into mobile money because it's convenient, it's accessible, it is easily available and it's trusted. And, you know, that is like the, the most important thing that we look at and try to create as we partner with these different players in the region. Um, and when you look at the unbanked, underserved, you know, there are many different players that do this. But I think the most important thing is, you know, are you solving a problem or are you building something and then looking, you know, for a problem to create so that that becomes relevant, right? And I think if we if we maintain an, an approach and a mindset that says, okay, there's a need here, we're, we're a partner that can develop a tech stack that can plug into different, you know, enablers within the region, which is generally a traditional FI, it's getting the support that's required from a regulator or central bank in a market, but really to transform that unbanked customer's experience and subsequently give these merchants, small, medium, large enterprise, et cetera, the ability to consume that payment method, right? And the minute that happens, the ecosystem, these markets, um, and then you know the, the continent and region as a whole really starts to develop together um, and we stop being the victim, right? Which we've seen recently, like Africa is not a victim. We are evolving, we are moving into digital spaces, we are solving problems and we are increasing um, you know, the access and inclusion. And you know, that, that speaks directly to, to Visa strategy. Um, and doing all of these cool things, you know, that's Nirvana and doing it at a commercially sustainable or in a commercially sustainable way is uh, is top priority. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fascinating. No, no, it really does. And, and it's, and, I mean, it's fascinating because, I mean, we, we, um, we often talk to people that we work with, we say, you know, uh, underserved is one thing, but once you've got people into the ecosystem, you've got them, uh, you know, uh, overcharged and, and overwhelmed as well. So actually, how do you get them beyond that? And, and it's an interesting point, Ham. I mean, you, you guys have got, and, and Hassan also, I mean, you guys have got two challenges. You've got getting people into the system in the first place and building trust with your services, trust with your capability. And then actually you've got the the engagement, the usage, the the building of credit facilities, building of all of these things to to get people to to be using the instruments that you're creating. So I, I guess maybe starting with that first point, I mean, what's the what's the sort of inhibitors for getting people into the the financial system right now? Is it is it education? Is it adoption? Is it access? Ham, maybe starting with you. Absolutely. And if I may, could I just make one comment on something Miranda said in her last um, uh, uh, remarks, which I loved. And I think the only thing I'd add is that uh, one of the other really strong aspects of what made Investor successful was the regulator. Uh, If it wasn't for the emphasis and the foresightedness of the Kenyan Central Bank to allow Investor to grow, the banks would have killed it. And the point I'm making is that regulators are significant partners in, in the work that we do. And uh, we've seen this across multiple markets where um, before we launch a product, working with them and actually seeing that we are in many cases aligned with their own objectives is the key to success. Um, and in many ways aligns quite strongly with um, uh, with the work that we're trying to do. But to your, to your question around um, uh, uh, how we think about, you know, engagement and building products and getting people to, to, um, to start adopting them. I think the first thing, again, to quote what Miranda said a few moments ago is that, uh, are you building a product that solves a problem or are you 
building a product and hoping to create a problem down the road. Um, and I think we are in this very unique phase where I think Africa is very exciting is that there's so many problems around vis-a-vis financial services in terms of opportunity for you to go and tackle something meaningful such that you actually don't need to do that much convincing for users to want to, like, I don't have to go and convince someone that you might want to pay for something online. <laughs> they already want to do that. Or that, you know, you might have, you might want to send money to someone in another country and do it at a you know cheap and safe way. They already want to do those things. And we're in this very unique phase. It's like, you know, we have a, an opportunity to, if you, someone could tell you today, David, I'm going to take you back to 1994, right? When the internet was just being invented, um, knowing what you know today about it and what it can do, you know, what, what would you do then? Right. You, you, that's kind of how in Africa, we're sort of building financial services for people that have for so long have been locked out of formal financial services, not because they don't want to be in them, but because no one built products tailored to those markets. And for the first time that's being addressed at scale. So that's 80% of the work, right? People are already dying. Um, there's a there's a wonderful Steve Jobs quote I love, which says um, uh, he was describing uh, why people love Macs so much, and he was like, um, the biggest people who love Macs are people who use Windows, and he says it's like giving a glass of cold water to someone in hell. They're gonna drink it anyway, <laughs> and you know it's like if if you're doing something that is so wanted in the market, adoption and engagement are taken care of for you. Your number one job is reliability, and I'm sure Hassan knows this, but. One of the things that people take for granted with financial products in Africa is, do they work? You'll hear this so many times across the board. Yeah, it's nice. It's a great website. It's a fancy looking app, great design. But does it work? If I put my money in, does it come out? If I spend the card online, will it get rejected or not? That's kind of where we are. That's where our emphasis is. Building products that are reliable, that work, making sure you have the underlying infrastructure whether it's licensing, operational, liquidity, technological, having all those things, um, all your ducks in a row, such that when the consumer comes, because they are coming, they want to use these things, they will actually get the desired outcome. Uh, that's kind of where we are, and that's what's so exciting about it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I'm glad you brought up Apple. I mean, if you transferred me back to 1994, I'd buy a lot more Apple stock for starters. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, but uh, no, I mean, Hassan, as, as Ham was saying, I mean, it, it, there's obviously pent-up demand. And, and actually, I mean, you guys acquiring so many customers in such a short period of time, I mean, is the challenge, as, as Ham was saying, is it at that point, you know, building trust in that system through, I mean, fintechs are brilliant at this. You are what you do. You're not just what you say, right? So, you know, showing them the benefit of using your product is is really the game at that stage, right? Yeah, uh, I think, yeah, m- more than that, the game is really about accessibility, um, so what we witnessed really, um, and every typical uh, quarter, we will work on how we can onboard customer in an easiest way possible, uh, with the less friction possible. Um, and it all goes down into like, how do you get direct um, relationship with your customers? Um, so we ended up making two two very important choices. The first one is that 
we wanted to focus on one single market and go really deep in that market, make sure that we really crack how we onboard customers, make it as simple as possible, uh, and don't rely on anybody else. Because when you start relying on other infrastructure, uh, in the case of uh, at least you know onboarding accessibility, it was quite tough. And that's because of what Ham said, is that the infrastructure is not, is not reliable enough. So we had to build it ourselves. So we kind of built an agent network ourselves. Uh, we don't use it today for cash in, cash outs, but we use it at least to onboard customers. Um, and that's uh, just for all the experience we had, that was just the simplest way possible to, to onboard customers. But because you have a physical meeting with the customer, uh, you explain to the customer how it works and, and you, um, you take out all the KYC frictions and all of these, all other things because you do it to, through agents that know how to do it, right? So I think, yeah, the accessibility aspect and that was the key success factor for mobile money that we are taking into the banking world. Um, and we are applying those, uh, I would say, mobile money telco techniques of, um, of accessibility uh, in order to drive, you know, scaling, um, onboarding customers uh, in a way where it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's very simple for them. Uh, and just to come back for, the, for, for us, the definition today is not about banked or unbanked or underbanked. Uh, I think those are not really appropriate terms um, for our continent because some people just don't need to be banked. Uh, I mean, they, they probably just need to uh, make a transfers to store some balance and they don't need the full suite you know, of, of banking services. Uh, so we prefer to use the financial inclusion um, term, which is, I believe, a bit more appropriate. And uh, what mobile money done uh, in less than 10 years uh, in our region where, where we operate is like went from 20% to 60% less than 10 years. So imagine the central bank, uh, you know, uh, results uh, on financial inclusion in less than 10 years. So, and um, like Ham said, the central banks are really... Um, major component uh, of this success um, and without them if they just you know don't leave the door open um, this this can't happen uh, if you look at Nigeria you know uh, they they didn't give any mobile money license for a long time and uh, so that allowed the banks to strive but uh, you know a lot of customers were kept out of the financial system um, so yeah I believe you know it's uh, uh, if we look at it in a financial inclusion um, uh, lens it, it's much better way uh, because it will help us to uh, really um, work on the right on the right things yeah I mean it's fascinating isn't it and, and and maybe if we sort of bring it back to the 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 question that we were we were sort of talking about at the top of the show with regards to what problem really is mobile money actually solving and it sounds from from what you're saying I mean mobile money is essentially it, it's built the the underlying rails it's built that the the base foundations, but so much more potential can be built up, uh, upon it. Is that fair to say? I I, I could jump in here a little bit because um, I I really love this topic because uh, because I, I was I, I was born and raised in Uganda. I grew up there my whole life, and um, both my parents were self-employed. Uh, grew up on a farm. My parents are farmers, and uh, they used to walk and trade with people all over Uganda in Kenya. And I grew up my whole life seeing limitations of sending money digitization of money, having to, um, you know, do a sale and carry a big chunk of cash with you and the 
you know, the apprehension you're under because everyone knows you've just done a sale and you're moving around with a big pile of cash. There's so many facets to life that digitization of money changes the game. And um, I was fortunate enough to live through that time where we saw more money come and we saw what it did and how it changed um, society and life. Uh, and so I think the way I respond to that is that I think saying what movement does so well is digitization of money is what it does, but what it does so well is quality of life is what it improves. Um, and, and that's the most powerful thing. If you can improve yeah. anyone's quality of life by any delta, like there's, there's almost no, no price to, to, to that, that you can, you can attach. And I think mobile money is, I, I can't think of a more impactful, maybe outside of the internet innovation, but maybe, but more focused in Africa in my lifetime. Um, 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 money is, it's definitely top five. It's up there with the internet, um, you know, with the, you know, malaria vaccine, um, you know, like that level of impact, uh, vis-a-vis, uh, sub-Saharan Africa. Well, and your, your point there about, I mean, we talk about inclusion, but I mean, and we've used the word utility in various different, you know, guises in this conversation. I mean, it, it is a, it is almost a human right, right? In terms of being, a, if you can gain access to, to food, running water, the internet and financial services, like most things sort of take care of themselves. I, I think it was um, the Gates Foundation said that anywhere where uh, mobile data connectivity is, is outstripping everything else is probably good things are happening at that point. And, you know, digital fundamentally is a it is a real-time thing and it has to happen in real time right there's to your point around commerce to your point around uh, retail finances those things have to happen uh, in real time but I, I think it you know comes back to that point Miranda around you know, that independent underpinning infrastructure that underpinning rails piece if that's there if those foundations are, are valid are solid then we can build really cool stuff on it right Yes, and thanks for coming back to me. So, <clears throat> you know, my view on this is that ultimately the problem that it solves is is creating access, right? And providing either basic access to some sort of financial service, somewhere to hold your funds that are safe and secure, um, but also gives you additional access in terms of, you know, the, the rest of commerce. And I think most importantly, um, you know, with these ready-made infrastructures um, and large sort of bases and reach to these um, really key segments. Um, a big thing for, for me is data, right? So it gives us the ability to understand what consumers need and want, how they are transacting um, in order to make available services that are currently, you know, just not around. For example, credit and lending. And we see already a lot of the fintechs and telcos making those services available. And we just want to unpack it, enhance it, um, so that, like Ham points out, you know, it helps to, to impact and change lives. And it gives you, um, you know, small amounts of capital that you may need to, to push a little bit of digital innovation into your little small business so that you can manage inventory correctly. Um, you know, understand more around financial education, how to create wealth, how to save, fosters different type of thinking and culture when it comes to money um, across Africa that is less taboo, right? That it, it is safe and secure, even though I can't see it and touch it um, because I trust the partner who's giving me this access. Um, and that's a big part of, you know, what uh, we hold ourselves accountable for and, and the credibility that we bring, you know, into the ecosystems that we, that we enable. 
Yeah. I mean, Hassan, maybe last word for you. I mean, I think we, between the four of us, we could probably talk for another four hours on this uh, this subject matter in terms of all the different dimensions of it. But but where is the limit here? You know, actually, the the potential seems endless in terms of bringing new customers in and and solving new problems. Uh, as, as Ham said, you solve a problem, you might you might find other ones you can help customers with. So the potential seems reasonably endless. Yes, it actually is. Um, I mean, uh, today we are in in really this, this first phase. Um, a lot of phases will 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 uh, come after this one. Um, and today, the, the the whole challenge for all of us is how to work all together and enable this much faster. Right? Miranda mentioned how you know Visa is enabling international commerce. This is something that we are doing very well in, in, in the Ivory Coast. So we are allowing all these mobile money customers to start transacting internationally. We see a lot of people buying merchandise everywhere in the world, um, selling them. If you compare that to 20 years ago where you had to travel to China and you know uh, buy the merchandise and come back, today you buy it on Alibaba uh, with your Visa card and you just, you know. Uh, so it's it's about, you know, working how, how we can make this work all together. Um, avoid redundancies because we're having a lot of redundancy as well. You can see in one market several mobile money operators that run exactly the same agent network. Um, so I think there's a lot of efficiency that we can still find over there. Um, I believe central banks will... Um, works toward that they would try to unify uh, as much as possible those uh, those networks that infrastructure like what happened in india what happened in brazil and and this is the the next phase where you're going to see financial inclusion really take another leap so um yeah i think the next step for us is really how to work uh, all together very, very cool. It is an amazing story. And, and as we say, it's, uh, it is amazing to see how quickly things are developing in the region. It, uh, it feels like we will uh, very quickly be looking to the region as the, as the leader for a lot of these things, uh, and which is uh, an amazing place to be. And organizations like yourself are, are definitely kind of leading the way in that note. As I say, we are going to have to wrap up, I'm afraid, though we have run out of time. So this does wrap up this week's edition of Fintech Insider Focus in association with Visa. Thank you so much for the panel for joining me. Where can people learn a little bit more about you and the companies that you represent. Miranda, starting with you. Uh, you can hit me up on LinkedIn, Miranda Paramal, um, and we can send me a DM and I'll tell you all about what Visa does across the world. That's a promise. All right, Ham, where can people learn more? Um, yeah, same. You can uh, see, you can find me on LinkedIn, Ham Sarunjoji. You can go to our website, chippercash.com. Um, our social media handles are very active. Um, we like to engage with our customers and potential customers and if i can just make one comment david i think um uh, you mentioned that you know in some cases africa is going to be a leader in, in some of these areas i think you can make the case that africa is already a leader in some areas i think if you look at mobile payments and aptitude for mobile payments africa is leading the world in in in, in that i think because of how successful formal banking was in the west i think people took a while to come around to mobile banking um, we just leapfrogged from no banking to mobile banking in Africa. And so I think there's many areas where because of that leapfrogging, uh, Africa is in many ways now leading the world. And um, uh, uh, the limit is is, is is some point very, very far in the future. I think what's even more exciting about where we are today is 
the harder thing is deciding what not to do versus what to do because there's so much that you can do. Yeah, I think I think you can make that case for banking and for insurance in Africa as well in terms of the the breaking down of uh, it. It doesn't have to be a 12 month contract. It could be a you know a 12 second one if uh, if the insurance was needed around it, right? So, uh, uh, Hassan, lo- lost to you. Uh, where can people learn a little bit more about you and your company? Yeah, so uh, just you can add me on LinkedIn. Um, you can also go to our website, jamo.com, uh, but the information would be in French, unfortunately. Um, but uh, yeah, those are the main channels that, that you can find more info on us. Very good. Well, thank you very much, for everybody, for listening to this. If you like what you heard, subscribe to the podcast and don't forget to leave a review. It really helps everybody else find the show and helps us make it better too. For more information on this discussion, look out for the next episode of Fintech Insider Focus in two weeks' time. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.